In trying times, do you count on more than instinct and advice for answers? Where do you turn for guidance about decisions big and small? At any point during the pandemic, did faith play a role in your view of challenges? From New England Public Media, this is And Another Thing, I'm Dara Kennedy. Those are just some of the questions that we'll tackle on today's show. But consider this, our region is made up of many different faiths and some communities are more dedicated to practice than others. While, as we've learned, many parishioners have stepped back from beliefs over the last two years. I'm Maya Schwader. Joining us for our panel today, we have Imam Wissam Abdulbaki of the Islamic Society of Western Massachusetts in West Springfield, Massachusetts. Father James Sullivan is the rector of the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception Catholic Church in Waterbury, Connecticut. Rabbi Raquel Kosofsky of Beit Ahava in Northampton, and Pastor Bruce Shaw of North Hope Pentecostal Church in Springfield. Welcome to you all. We are very thrilled to have you here. Thank you. To start off, according to the Pew Research Center, as of December 2021, there are around three in 10 U.S. adults that are considering themselves religiously unaffiliated, either other, atheist, agnostic, they do not consider themselves to be part of any of these communities during the COVID lockdowns. Did you find that you were struggling to make a connection to your communities? Was it worse than it had been before? Did you find that there were other ways that you could connect with people? Rabbi, I'd actually love to start with you. I found that to be um, shockingly a, a, a time of very intense connection. It was such a hard pivot that we all did. And it just came like this slam into all of us. Like, are we is this just two weeks? Is this two months? Like, what are we even looking at here? I found myself to be busier than I had ever been in years. There were days I didn't even get off my couch and my computer and my phone. My son was in the other room doing school and I was nonstop all day talking to congregants, talking to my lay leadership, coming up with ways we could connect, figuring out how to do services and worship and holidays online. But it was the opposite of people disconnecting. I felt that there was such a hunger and such a need. And it's changed a lot now, but we're still in it two years later. Pastor Shaw, I see you nodding. Did you have a similar experience of greater connection? Absolutely. We had a greater connection overall, but it challenged us as uh, leaders to uh, do some things that we've never done before. I remember early March there, sharing with the congregation that uh, we need to make some contingency plan because we don't know what's going to happen. And that was on that Sunday. I said, I plan to have a meeting on Tuesday, but before Tuesday got here, it seemed like the whole world just had dropped out from underneath us. And so it has challenged us to reach out to people differently. You know, you could, whenever you had a problem, you could go to church if you couldn't go anywhere else. Now the church is closed. And so how do you connect? And so it caused me to look into uh, my toolbox and do some things differently, reach out to people differently. Uh, so it has been challenging times. However, it's been good times because it has now brought us into a connection of something, areas that we probably had never gotten involved in before. Imam Abdubaki, I'd love to hear from you. How did you find yourself adjusting to leading prayers in a time when people couldn't be together in the same space? Actually, fulfillment of the duties, religious duty, was a very challengeable for all of us, 
especially in our faith in the pandemic, there is instruction uh, from the prophets that if there is pandemic in a place, don't move. Don't go to this land. And if you are in that land, don't come back. And also the issue of protecting people from one side physically, and the other one is to protect their faith because today we have a big challenge. And how to reach those congregants? God gave us another options. If you are not in the house of God, that you are connected to him wherever you are. He's with you wherever you are. Disbelieve that God is with us and God is all merciful. He's a big test for all of us. And at the same time, we established the virtual connection. A never Friday prayer stopped in the history. Imagine in the history of Islam, we never stopped the prayer of Friday. Father Sullivan, I'd love to bring you in. We were talking a lot about adjusting to having services on Zoom, having life events on Zoom. If you were having to make these adjustments in your own church, did you feel that it was as meaningful as being able to have people there present? Thank you, Mike. Nothing, of course, is the same as having people right here in the pew, right in front of you. As uh, There's an engagement, there's an encounter, and the, and the human person uh, with the preacher, with the priest, with the pastor is just that beautiful experience. So I, just before the pandemic, four or five months before, someone came and said, would you consider live stream? I said, what's that? Didn't even know what it was. And so I was convinced that at first it seemed very costly, but we put in, in December, uh, prior to of December of 19, we put in this really high quality system in the Basilica, which holds 1300 people. And so when the pandemic hit, we were kind of set up. They know all the statistics of where people are watching from and how many and all of that. And fortunately, just so many people were watching. And so people were watching from literally all over the world uh, who have roots in Waterbury. So it was it a difficult adjust, adjustment. Uh, I'm sure my other pastors here were you're preaching to an empty congregation. There was no one in the pew, this massive basilica, and you're preaching with a camera on you. But people are watching from all over. So that was an experience that just took a long time to get used to. But I think it was of great benefit. Again, to answer your question, nothing like in person, but this was the next best thing. And it got us through the storm, I believe. Briefly, I would love to hear from all of you. Father Sullivan mentioned getting through the storm. The storm is still somewhat here, and we're not quite sure when it's going mm -hmm. to subside. Do you anticipate, given the statistics that we saw, that now three in 10 people are religiously unaffiliated in the country, once it is safe to perhaps gather all together again, that people will actually come back? Father Sullivan, I'd love to start with you. Sure. I'm experiencing it already, as I know other churches, uh, I assume mosques and other places have as well, synagogues. We're the mother church here, so we're actually beyond where we were before COVID. Prior COVID, we were about 1,200 people on a weekend. Now we're around 1,400. We've had 133 families join the parish last year and 16 in the last 12 days. So I think there's a hunger for people wanting to come back, but it's going to be a slow process. I'm also pastor of another church, a much smaller church, and that has not seen the results. That's still much less than pre-COVID. I would love to hear the others' thoughts about what, what post-pandemic life might look like. I have to agree with uh, the father there that things are different. We've got a group that um, I think will stick to this virtual type church and those individuals we're reaching across the world. 
and so we're going to have to continue to do the virtual. Also, I believe that uh, I have a group that are eager to come back. I have not opened up my doors completely to a full congregation. So uh, we still have to register, still have to do all the safety protocols uh, when coming into our sanctuary. Uh, but I believe that there is a hunger for them to get back. Talking to individuals on a daily basis, they missed the fellowship. They were doing fellowshipping and breaking of bread, all those type things that we haven't been able to do while, while we've been in this pandemic and people are yearning to get back together and to have some type of fellowship. And this time, these times are still not normal. We're not just trying to go back to the pre-pandemic times. Like this is an opportunity to create something new. And we're starting yet again, another cycle. This is now we're almost into the third year cycle of how to do our holidays, how to do our worship. You know, it was different a year ago because there weren't vaccines. Now it's like we have Omicron. So we're constantly trying to pivot. I know as a, as a spiritual leader, I get tired, I get fatigued, and I have to take care of myself in ways that I never imagined having to do in order to summon the reserves that I need to come back and be creative. So some of the things I think will be, we're, we are learning and getting to experiment. I think behind this pandemic, there is a message. Uh, before, people generally, we face faith crisis. And I believe that God allowed this to happen now, allowed this to happen to bring us closer to him. I know that the pandemic has affected every area of our life, but the most important message for is to revive this heart that yet so materialized. Our duty is to make the balance between the precaution and the reliance on Allah, on God. People will come back. It's supposed that this pandemic to bring and to unite all human beings connected to the one God of all people. That is, even in Quran, we say our Lord and your Lord is one like for Christians. Let's pivot to how the faith community handled the January 6th attacks. Our country just remembered the one-year attack on Congress. It was reported that some churches in Berkshire County protested the use of Christian symbols. The Reverend Mark Seyfried of the First Congregational Church in Williamstown objected to promote something he labeled outside of Christian beliefs. He even went further. That's really outside our beliefs. We should never use the Christian symbols and the Christian faith to promote a political agenda. Do you think that that was a proper response to the community based around his beliefs? Father Jim, I'll start with you, Father, Father Sullivan. So, I mean, obviously what happened January 6th is, is a tragedy. I think every faith would, on the face of the earth would, would object to, to what is done. But, you know, we bring like Martin Luther King, who we're going to be celebrating this Monday. Uh, his faith uh, motivated his entire life, his politics, his everything, uh, the love of the human person. So um, to use religious symbols, I think that do anything towards hatred or animosity toward another human being? Of course not, if, that's, if I'm understanding the question properly. But to bring faith into society uh, and to bring faith into the world is something all of us who are being interviewed today is, is something that all of us are strive to do. But to do it in, obviously in a peaceful and loving way. 
Pastor Shaw, do you personally think that religious leaders should take political positions as he did? We as a body of believers, faith-based, we need to let our voices be heard. And so we cannot stay in the background. When injustices are not right, we need to speak on those type things. Rabbi Kosofsky, what's the status of someone who maybe disagrees or, or votes differently from the masses in your synagogue? Well, in my synagogue, I think most of the people are very left-leaning, so we haven't had but too too much political disagreement, although that's not entirely true. There's definitely a range, but um, everyone is respected for their different views. I, there's certainly space for civil dialogue. We, uh, you know, we often disagree on different topics, but caring for the world, caring for the society, believing that our tradition is about repair of the world, those are really at the core of the Jewish values that make us a community and that make us a a synagogue. So, um, you know, really going back to those, like how we talk to each other is just as important as how we express what we believe out in the world. So um, love your neighbor as yourself, care for the stranger, welcome the other. Like these are values that are core to who we are. So um, there's a lot of respect, I think, for disagreement and for different views. Iman Wissam Abdulbaki, what are your thoughts on politics and religion? Actually, uh, I think uh, as an imam, as a, I have to be impartial because any kind of alienation, it will affect your connection with people because you do not know the hearts of people. And based on my experience, stand for the core values for justice without going to so-and-so as unjust. Go for the major goal of the faith, that is to protect this beautiful, pure connection with the almighty God. Uh, Stand for life and defend life without uh, specifying even religious alienation, stand for the family, stand for the prosperity of society. I have my close friend, he's Republican, he loves Trump immensely. And I joke with him because he is open mind and we joke together, etc. But you cannot speak uh, uh, like with congregation and uh, in open uh, congregation about any uh, party or any uh, uh, person because you need to bring those people to God. Any barrier will stop people from being connected and stand for the core values. I think we are not fulfilling our duties as educator and guidance. Dr. King was just mentioned. After the break, what is the significance of Martin Luther King Day to people of various faiths? We ask our panel of spiritual leaders when we return. This is And Another Thing on New England Public Media. Welcome back to And Another Thing with Derek Kennedy. I'm Maya Schwader. Tonight, we are speaking with four faith leaders from our community about organized religion and what they're experiencing in these days of COVID-19. With us, we have Pastor Ruth Shaw of the New Hope Pentecostal Church in Springfield, Father Jim Sullivan, he's the rector of the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception Catholic Church in Waterbury, Connecticut, Imam Wissam Abdulbaki of the Islamic Society of Western Massachusetts, and Rabbi Riki Kosovsky of Beit Ahava Synagogue in Northampton. 
Saturday, January 15th, would have been the 93rd birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. There are all sorts of celebrations planned on Martin Luther King Day, including by religious organizations. He, of course, was a reverend. We want to know what does he mean beyond his civil rights accomplishments and the way he changed this country in a spiritual sense? What does he mean to many people? Pastor Shaw, I would like to start with you. Dr. King promoted love, peace, try to bring, bring, build a bridge towards other people. And so he had the tenets of the things that uh, are Christ-like. And so I would say to you that uh, he wanted to bring people together rather than to divide people. He stood for justice. He stood for right. We do know that he was a towering figure uh, in the Black community, but I'm interested as to how he is received and celebrated uh, in other communities. Uh, Iman Wissam Abdul-Baki, may I start with you? He is, as you mentioned, and uh, for me always, I take him as uh, an inspiration, a man loyal to his principles, and the most important is justice, and I like to listen to his speeches. Rabbi, can you give us some insight as to how he may reflect in the Jewish community? Martin Luther King is really seen often as a prophet in the ways that uh, I feel that we talk about him in, um, in Jewish communities and in our congregation. Often the focus in many of my discussions is people's actual recollections of rabbis who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King. And my rabbinic mentor had marched with him. And uh, we hear many stories that have that I think have really informed the Jewish community today. Father Sullivan, how do you explain to maybe even the youth that are coming up in the faith about how to celebrate essentially just one man from the 1960s, not that far ago, not that long ago? Sure. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I think we often forget. We often hear Dr. Martin Luther King, we hear MLK, Martin Luther King, but there's a reverend there. There's a reverend, Dr. Martin Luther King, and he was a man of God, and he never let the two be separated, his faith life from his work, from his passion for justice in the world. I'm also the administrator of a school, and in that school with over 200 children, uh, Martin Luther King would be taught for his love for God, for his love for you, the dignity of all people. As it says in the book of the prophet Isaiah, you know, his, his dream for children of black and white and all to play with each other, sort of like the book of the prophet Isaiah, the lion lays down with the lamb. There's a peacefulness. And he emphasized this. And I think our young people want heroes. Our young people want heroes in the world today. And he would certainly be one of them. And so the Catholic church, I hope every church would celebrate what he did in the name of, in the name of the God who he loves. One last question to all of you. As you all come from different faiths and different backgrounds, what do you think still unites all of us across those differences? I think we have more common, especially when we talk about, like in our faith, the people of the book, right? Means like people who received a revelation through a great messenger of the Lord. And we have common, a lot of commonality in this Common teaching will unite us. If we look at the uh, positive side, the most important is like the uh, attachment to the values that those messengers of God 
preach and gave to humanity. The problem is when we misunderstood and start interpreting those values as a competition, because the competition among the religions, people, it is very dangerous. And also to use the religion for worldly purpose. We're looking for equality and justice. I believe everyone is an individual, some core values to be treated fairly, uh, no right from wrong, to bring a uh, sense of con connectedness and togetherness in our country. There's so much division currently. People of faith, we have the opportunity to share our faith and to help bring people together because we need to be brought together more so now than ever before. Uh, and we can do that uh, with the, you know, in the uh, Christian, uh, with the help of Jesus Christ working on our behalf, uh, we can bring uh, that together. Uh, and so we just really believe that we have some core values that we all can work towards and help bring about this change in our great country. Rabbi Kosofsky. When I'm with my faith brothers and sisters and siblings, I feel a part of myself that is so just authentic, one of my core selves that I feel just with people of faith. It's And it doesn't often matter what faith, like I feel it right now being with spiritual leaders across our spectrum here. And we have different cultures. We have so many different faiths, but at the core is about love and harmony and praising God or spirit. I find it very, very hopeful that we have uh, so much commonality rather than difference. Last word to you, Father Sullivan. You know, all four of us have the same belief in the one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of us believe that. Obviously, Pastor Sean, myself, would differ in that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So we would differ there. But I would say, just repeat what the rabbi has said so beautifully, that uh, the core of all of us is to love intimately, love deeply, love uh, the dignity of every single human person. Do we differ substantially? Yes, we do in our, some of our core beliefs. But at the same time, we celebrate what we share. I'm afraid that if we keep you any longer, you actually won't make your services. Um, <laughs> we'd like to thank all of you for partaking in our Spiritual Leaders Roundtable today. Thanks to Rabbi Raquel Riki uh, Kosofsky of Beit Ahava Synagogue in Northampton, Father Jim Sullivan of the Immaculate Conception Catholic Church in Waterbury, Connecticut, Iman Wilson Abdulbaki of the Islamic Society of Western Massachusetts in West Springfield, and Pastor Bruce Shaw of New Hope Pentecostal Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. We hope to have you on again. Thank you so much. Remember that you can find more episodes of And Another Thing on our page at nepm.org. You can also email us at andanotherthing at nepm.org. I'm Maya Schwader. I'm Dara Kennedy. Also, reach us on Facebook and Twitter at AAT on NEPM. Have a great holiday weekend.